When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And today we are joined with the cutest one. We have stand-up comic, co-host of The Messy Show, and our resident Judy Greer specialist, Quinn Lamar. Hi. Thank you for having me back. I didn't know if it was going to happen. <laughs> well, <laughs> if I had a say in it. Quinn actually watched the movie this week, unlike last oh. time when I was like, oh yeah, Quinn's ready, and then numerous times through the episode he said wait that okay. happens in this movie <laughs> okay before you started on me donnie let me just say not only did i watch the movie this time specifically for this recording mm-hmm. i also watched it because i felt like it like two months ago so <laughs> wow. i think i'm in it <laughs> i'm going to correct my mistake from the poseidon episode mm. and i'm going to go ahead and let the cuties know we are covering 27 dresses i'm not going to wait till minute 22 to <laughs> let you know what we're covering also for the new cuties if you're like wow donnie is being really snarky at this guest <laughs> when and I are sister wives because Donnie is my work husband, but Donnie is just Quinn's husband husband. So God bless you. Quinn. <laughs> Thank you. It's the Lord's work that I do. <laughs> and the last time that you were on, I learned about Donnie Appreciation Month oh. and about the fact that Mark Buffalo's last name doesn't start with a B mm-hmm. and he has a pretty good career. So I can't wait to find out what I will be educated about today. The sky's the limit. I forgot about the Mark Buffalo thing. So I'm really looking forward to this. Well, Chelsea texted me about this movie earlier. And thank God it was autocorrect. But it said Catherine Nigel. And I was like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) The only person that can do that is Shonda Rhimes. The only person that can not get her name correct. I had to quickly correct myself because I know that the bar is in hell for in terms of me knowing people. But I do know Catherine Heigl. And we will be talking about her rise and fall in due time. So... (laughs) First, let's just jump in for a little bit of history pertaining to this movie. So this movie premiered on January 18th, 2008. The number one song in America was Low by Flo Rida and T-Pain. Cloverfield was the number one movie with 27 dresses in the number two spot. Breaking Bad and Fifi in the Flower Pots premiered on TV. And I have no fucking clue what that second one is, but I just really liked it. (laughs) Also on this day, the United Nations appointed George Clooney as the UN Messenger of Peace. And January 18th is also National Winnie the Pooh Day. So if you are celebrating by Pooh Bearing Donnie, just don't pan down with that fancy new webcam, please. I won't stand up. Let's hope no food gets delivered while we're recording and I stand up. Oh, God. So January 18th, 2008, it has been 15 years then. So this is the 15th anniversary. Wow. This movie could be a teen parent. (laughs) Yeah, that's a long time. So much has happened in 15 years, including Kevin Heigl's career. <laughs> wow. Including Judy Greer's career. Oh, yeah. A lot has gone downhill. Since Not then, Judy so. Greer's. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily mean Judy Greer's career has gone downhill. Um, it would have to be uphill for it to go downhill. So. 
How dare you? I love Judy Greer, but Judy Greer is no star. She was a star in this movie. <laughs> oh, of course. She was the MVP oh, yeah. in all of by her far. movies. But I'm talking about reality. She's that. What, what she say? People meet her, and her, the thing people say is, "What do I know you from?" Yeah, that's Judy Greer's existence. <laughs> I think that's the name of her book, and that's not a joke. I really think it is. I think that is too. I have a special tie with Judy Greer. We're both from Michigan. She's from the racist part. I don't hold that against her. Um, but I, you know, I mean, how can you not love Judy Greer? I do want to take a moment to talk about Catherine Nigel because <laughs> the Anne Hathaway effect fully like brought her down. Because sometime in the 2010s. All of us as human beings just received like a mental download of like, oh, we fucking hate Katherine Heigl now. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember hating her with a burning passion and I don't fucking remember why. Did she do something for us all to hate her or did we just decide like, nope, we're done with you? She did something. Oh, what did she do? Uh, Now, we also need to talk about the fact that I had problems with Heigl before everybody hated her because I remember her from a little show called Roswell. I don't know if anybody (laughs) is old enough to remember that WB gem. But um, I just was never a fan. There was something about her that I never really liked. Didn't hate her, but I didn't really like her. You didn't like when she was Izzy and she, like, fucked the man in the coma and then proceeded to fuck a ghost? <laughs> you know, I didn't know that happened because I didn't watch Grey's Anatomy. But my opinion of Katherine Heigl was so low that hearing that did not change my opinion about her one way or the other. I mean, that's top tier acting when you can pretend to have sex with a dead person. Just a spirit that, spoiler alert, turned out to be a frontal lobe tumor. Way to spoil it for me. I was going to go back and watch. Uh, Well, you say that as a joke, but I am watching Private Practice for the first time. Private Practice is good. It's it's better. So are the first two and a half seasons of Grey's Anatomy. Once Meredith died on that boat and went to heaven, I was over it. I never watched again. So I've completely derailed us. So, Quinn, can you please educate me on why I hated Catherine Nigel? Okay. Catherine Nigel, she supposedly was making movies. And the thing that really made a lot of people angry was she was complaining that she wasn't getting any challenging roles. And she was in movies like Knocked Up. And her movies were really successful. I think 27 Dresses, of course, was successful, too. But she felt like these roles weren't good enough for her. Mm. And because of that, people were like, how dare you? You know, people have trouble getting any kind of role. How can you sit there and, and, and be such a snob about this? So that was the first thing that made people like turn against her. And then when she did the whole thing with Shonda Rhimes, that's when people kind of turned on her completely. What did she do to Shonda? I think what happened was... Kind of what happened with, like, a lot of stars on TV, they become movie stars and then they become assholes on the set of the TV show that they're oh. already on. Shonda has referred to it as being heigled by saying that she won't be heigled again. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I do remember this because I remember that her last name was turned into a verb, and that's bad. That's never good. <laughs> that's never good when your last name becomes an action. But I never turned against her, I don't think. I think I was always on the Heigl train. Wow, choo-choo. You've always supported yeah. her. I do know she went on a rant about how Knocked Up was inherently misogynistic, which, you know, that's kind of my personal brand is to accuse <laughs> things of being misogynistic. Game recognized game. I can't hate that. Oh, that's nice. This is my thing to call things racist it's nice to meet you mm-hmm. <laughs> and i get it from both sides <laughs> yeah. well you've got learning to do all the way around you're gonna get eiffel tower this hour buddy. 
Well, I thought that Catherine Nigel was delightful in this film. So let's jump on in. If you want to see me and Quinn, Eiffel Tower Donnie, you'll have to check out my OnlyFans, but also just <laughs> patreon.com slash I am the cute one for the uncut, unedited, and unhinged versions of our current shows in video and audio form. And I am Winnie the Pilling, so I don't know. a treat for everybody. <laughs> so do you have any background trivia for us? Yeah. It was written by Aileen Brash McKenna, who also wrote Three to Tango, Laws of Attraction, The Devil Wears Prada, Morning Glory, Cruella, Black Annie, and and she's the creator of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I'm going to have to step in as the racist pointer-outer here. <laughs> It's not called Black Annie. It's called Blanny. <laughs> it was directed by Anne Fletcher, who also directed Step Up, The Proposal, Dumplin', and Hocus Pocus 2. So they each had a couple of good movies under their belt. Yeah. And a female writer and a female director. Yes. Yeah. Great. We love to see it. Doing my yeah. job for me, Quinn. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I read this trivia, didn't write it down, but I feel like now's a good time to talk about it. So the writer wrote this originally, and then the studio bought it, but didn't do anything with it and tried to do rewrites, whatever, for six years. So then she moved on. She was over it. The studio owned it. She wrote The Devil Wears Prada instead, and then that became a huge hit. So then the studio was like, never mind, we want you back, we want to do rewrites, we own your script, but we want like you to actively be a part of it. So then when they advertised the movie, they put from the writer of The Devil Wears Prada. And at that time, they never really put writers on posters, mm. but since that was such a success, they let her plop her name on. So she oh. went from Meryl Streep to wedding dress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was high gold, I think. <laughs> the budget, it cost $30 million to make, and it made worldwide 163 million i think that's a profit right i'd say if people want to give us 133 million we'll find something to do with it i mean donnie famously said he'd stop talking to me for what like two dollars <laughs> no i do think there was like a hundred thousand in there somewhere yeah. like three hundred thousand you did have a price point i didn't feel like it was high enough but it was more than two dollars <laughs> there were commas for sure yeah for sure at least one. okay the tagline i decided i want to incorporate something new to this so i don't oh. know if you are tiktok babies but on tiktok there's this thing with a filter that pops up random photos and as one pops up you have to say whether you're gonna fuck marry or kill it but then you can't change your mind so if you were doing it with like people here and i popped up and you were like marry and then quinn popped up and you were like fuck and then you popped up and you're like oh god i have to kill chelsea because all i have left oh. is kill so we're gonna do that with the taglines the first one is She's about to find the perfect fit. God, I want to kill it, but I know <laughs> what we've worked with in the past. Um, I'm going to kill it. I think when you're not sure at first, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm fucking this on too. Well, you can't do it because you're going to give it away. You already right? know. Yeah, you can't play. That's not fair. So I'm the host. Yeah, you're the host of the game. So put on your hosting <laughs> voice. Okay. Next up. And there's only two taglines this episode, so... <laughs> You <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're stuck fucking and marrying whatever's left. And the next one is always a bridesmaid, never a bride. <laughs> Great. Well, much like the marriages in this movie, I'm going to not be having sex and it will be loveless. So great. Kill it. <laughs> Kill it. Yeah, what a terrible one. Well, you know what? I've learned something already this episode. When in doubt, fuck it. That's right. <laughs> there we go. 
I Am The Cute One is now looking for sponsors. If you have a business you'd like to promote, email I Am The Cute One Podcast at gmail.com to inquire about rates and packages. So who in this movie, which character, if any, do you guys identify with? I think I am Judy Greer. I think... <laughs> okay. Love that journey for you. I cannot wait to hear the explanation because I think about eight characters before that. But go ahead. Let's see what you got. No, yeah, you're right. Those faces... <laughs> okay, I, okay, I really think I am Tess then. Chelsea wants me to say Catherine Nigel, but yeah. I think I'm Tess because... <laughs> She found the man she wanted to be with because she just wanted to be with someone. This is not the man she dreamt over for a long time. This is not the man that, like, she needed to be with. It was just Who coincidental. Yeah. Love that we're doing this episode with your husband. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she didn't just, like, make it easy. Like, she was hot. He wanted to fuck her no matter what. But she still put in the research to really make sure that he fell because she is a sociopath. So I think that's who uh, I am. Yeah. There it is. She tricked him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to say that I feel like the Judy Greer of this movie. Yeah. I'll because, it. like, I, I might admit, we're both from Michigan. We both have sex at weddings. <laughs> we're both always telling our friends to stand up for themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm also willing to slap the shit out of any of my friends. And your nephew, like we learned last episode. <laughs> Whoa, you really gut punched me there. <laughs> Um, <clears throat> I forgot I told you that. 13 going on 30 uh, if you want to go back. Thank you, Kelsey, for bringing that up. He had it coming. He had it coming. I think that you are Judy Greer. I wanted to be her, but I am a Gemini, so I am half Jane and half Tess. Mm. Because I have this weird situation where I am both a people pleaser who does like way too much for people and let people walk all over me, while simultaneously somehow also being like a little selfish baby brat bitch who expects other people to do everything for me. So it's a weird juxtaposition I live my life. So I was both sisters who I think are just both awful in their own ways and i'm just both i see that Wait, how was jane awful oh we'll get into all that believe <laughs> oh me. boy in this essay i will <laughs> <laughs> so before we go step by step on how nigel is the worst <laughs> quinn we're gonna put one minute on the clock can you break down this movie i believe i can take it away Okay, the film is 27 Dresses. It is about a chronic bridesmaid who has no life of her own, is obsessed with her dead mother's wedding to her father, which is kind of creepy and weird, (laughs) and continues to go to all of these weddings as bridesmaids, saving the day for all these random-ass women that she knows. She keeps all the dresses for God knows why, and then it turns out she's in love with her boss and her younger, hotter, quote-unquote, sister comes to visit, Bossy sister wants to bang her. They fall for each other. And Catherine Heigl has to be the bridesmaid to her sister. And she kind of sabotage. No, she actually sabotages the wedding <laughs> yeah. in a pretty big way. Okay, so now I'm getting your point Thank here. Thank you. Uh-huh. And in the end... She discovers that the man that she has envisioned and that she's dreamt about all this time is not the man that she really wants. She wants some <laughs> randy little stereotypical <laughs> New York writer. And she realizes that he loves her after he gives her a Blackberry. That is so <gasps> Love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> 
So our movie opens in 1986, where a self-important, delusional, and straight-up masochistic woman <laughs> named Jane compares herself to Mozart and Tiger Woods because at the age of eight, she discovered her life's calling. Weddings. <laughs> now, you might think that this leads to her being a wedding planner or owning a wedding venue or becoming a pastor who specializes in wedding ceremonies, but no, she has dedicated her life to being in every single one of her friends' weddings, going as far as to actually double book herself being in two weddings in one night. This is psychotic. Disgusting. <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah, and I don't understand, like, why not both? Like, she could be a wedding planner and then still have such low self-esteem where she, like, always puts herself in the weddings of her friends and people she knows. But to truly not even make weddings a part of what you want to do for a living when you know that that is your life call, it makes no sense. She could be making money for going to weddings instead of paying. Paying $160 in a taxi because you go in between two in the same night. Even, like, the price of that wine of the month club alone, like, you know pot kettle but i'm concerned for this woman's finances her spending is out of control i would also argue that being in two weddings doesn't make you a really good friend it makes you a super bad one like you're missing half of each of your friend's weddings that's a good point you're right because at that first wedding she was at she kept checking her watch to see if she would even make it to the second one on time and she's a bridesmaid she's not the maid of honor but she's the bridesmaid that does Everything. Everything. So, like, if you're not at that second one early... (laughs) She's the type of bridesmaid that I will block after a wedding. Like, if I'm in a wedding with this bitch, I will never speak to her again. She is making group texts, subgroup texts, email chains, shaming people into, like, contributing to a random (sighs) group gift. I'm like, shut the fuck up. But also, clearly, Jane's friends are not reciprocating the tender love and care that she's providing them because all it would take for me as a friend is to take one look at that closet with those dresses and I would know that my friend is crying out for help. I agree with that. With the exception of the montage of her trying on the clothes, there's no reason to keep those dresses. None. Well, we know she had a long game for those dresses. It was going to work into her, like, revenge porn. Yeah. Can we talk about this apartment that she has, though? Like, what is this apartment with this huge closet, all this space that her sister calls, what did she call it? Quaint. Now, she's paying all this money for all these weddings. She's paying this rent. Did anybody see her do any actual work at this job? Yeah, I'm really worried about this woman's bottom line. I think that this, if we were to do a sequel, as we're going to talk about, it might end with an IRS bust of some kind. The SWAT team's coming. So do we think that her boss was worth all of the fantasizing? Hmm. No. Yeah, I mean, he's fine. I appreciated that they didn't make him a creep, at least. Like, we've covered now, I guess in the early aughts, like, it was a big fantasy for women to, like, (laughs) love and want to fuck their boss. But we've covered a bunch of movies where people are in love with their boss and the boss is, like, a sleazy douchebag. But this guy wasn't that. Like, he was kind of oblivious. But, like, anybody who loves his dog that much is, like, fine in my books, you know? (laughs) Sure. But what about when he kisses her? Isn't that inappropriate? Yeah, I mean, extremely, (laughs) but... The heart wants what the heart wants. Well, some would say it's inappropriate for him to even date her sister. Yeah, but her sister is some sort of, what is it called? A succulent? A succubus? Succubus. (laughs) (laughs) She's a succulent. Yeah, a cactus. (laughs) Oh, she is a bit prickly. Anywho, 
So before we get into plot, let's quickly just rip off the band-aid and address the elephant in the room. Every wedding that I've been in has been for people I like absolutely adore. I do believe like being asked to be in somebody's wedding is an honor for sure. Like it's very nice that they want to include you, that they think so highly of you, that they want you to be part of their big day, et cetera, et cetera. But let's get it right. Let's not continue with this facade. It is not a privilege to be a bridesmaid. It is an obligation. Oh, yeah. We're there to back you up as the bride so that you can be surrounded by your favorite people that day. And thank you. I'm glad that I made it to your MySpace Top 8. But mm -hmm. yes, I agree. I have to say I agree with that, too. Well, it's just because it comes with so much. Yeah. Like, nothing brings me more joy than just being a guest at a wedding. I want to be able to roll up, pregame with my friends, do all the fun things without any of the obligations of, like, logistics. It's so funny to me seeing the expectations for bridesmaids versus groomsmen. I will never forget one of my friend's weddings. We, for whatever reason, it was like an outdoor wedding, and we were, like, staking in this little gazebo thing for the cocktail hour. It was hot as fuck. We all have our makeup on and our, like, cute little robes or whatever. And I look over, and the fucking groomsmen are playing, like, frisbee golf. Oh, no. Like, drinking whiskey. I'm like, what is happening here? I mean, that's absolutely true. All right. Well, I guess it's time for us to talk about the movie, huh? Oh, sure. After a bouquet toss gone wrong, Jane finds herself concussed and soon splitting a cab with Kevin, who is on to her, immediately offending her with his cynical viewpoints on marriage. But honestly, I couldn't have said it better myself when he calls her out on being in two weddings in the same night, describing her matrimony martyr complex as <laughs> a little upsetting. And speaking of a little upsetting, this movie's 2008 showed right out of the gate because we got another early aughts rom-com classic of a budding relationship being entirely founded on a deep violation of trust and snooping because when Jane leaves her planner behind in the cab, Kevin does not return it, but instead uses it to stalk her and pitch a piece about how pathetic she is. Real journalistic integrity on that guy. And plot twist, while Kevin told Jane he was a writer, he didn't disclose that he writes the very wedding announcement she flicks her bean to every Sunday. (laughs) Flicks her bean. (laughs) I'm never going to be able to unhear that phrase, first of all. Uh, Second of all, didn't he also, like, take a week out of her planner so she didn't know what the hell she was supposed to be doing? Yeah. Anytime that she had weekend plans, he wrote over them with his name. And this bitch is part of a lot of weddings. So it was probably picking up flowers, getting fitted for a dress. No, it's just Kevin (laughs) O'Doyle written in Sharpie. I don't know. I kind of feel like this is the character that Chelsea would play. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Is it the haircut? It's... (laughs) (laughs) it's more like how cynical he is how critical he is of her now i don't think that chelsea would betray anybody's trust up front like that Mm. though but his biting criticism of her just like "Hmm, that feels like you know what that's very true because my love language is talking shit my (laughs) husband is horrified by just like the general vibe of my family like we are all so like funny but critical of each other so like we say it in a funny way so everybody's laughing but like if you really think about what we're saying to each other it's really fucking mean so every now and again i'll be like 
in my mind, flirting with him. I'm like, you know, picking at him. And he's like, I think that's enough criticism for the day. <laughs> it's like if you removed his glasses, there'd be like mascara streaks behind them. I'm like, sorry, love you. Now, this explains why you and Donnie are work spouses, because that's like the way it is in the Hatfield home. <laughs> Only his mother will say something really biting and then follow it with a Roseanne style laugh. Not a Roseanne, like a Betty Rubble. <laughs> oh no! No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. That's like Janice from. Yes, Frank. she does. That's the way she laughs. <laughs> like what you're hearing? Head to Patreon.com/slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's Patreon.com/slash I am the cute one. See you there. So just when you think that Jane's life can't get any more pitiful, we learn that she has an unrequited burning crush on her boss, George, because of course she fucking does. (laughs) This woman gets off on one-sided relationships, and because she is the human equivalent of a toilet plunger, she's necessary, but no one appreciates her. Anywho, (laughs) when her sister Tess blows into town and subsequently blows George, Jane doesn't say shit. Instead, she screams motherfucker, deep cleans her kitchen, and inadvertently gives her sociopath of a sister all the intel she needs to get George to fall in love with her. So after only a few weeks of lies and American Sign Language, Jane begins to plan the wedding of her dreams to the man of her dreams. Except, unfortunately, the bride is Tess. First of all, this wedding moved so quickly. There was only an hour and a half in the movie. (laughs) We could have got a three months later title card or a montage. Instead of a montage in wedding dresses, it could have been a montage picking wedding venues. But now the wedding venue's picked because this little fucking freak wants to be her mother. Did you see that Julia Stiles movie where she tries to fuck her dad after the mom dies? That's what I was getting from Tess. <laughs> no, I think I'll skip that one. Um, I don't get why anybody would want to recreate their parents' wedding to this degree. No. Uh, I think that's kind of weird. My parents had a beautiful wedding. And I should know I was there. <laughs> but I would never want to recreate that. No, my mom wore a loofah on her head. No, thank you. What? <laughs> she didn't plan to wear it, but she got her hair done. She didn't like it. And so she just like stuck <laughs> this thing on her head. Wow. Yeah. I'll send you a picture. It's quite a look. The 80s were wild. Block her face out and make it a Patreon exclusive. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I won't even blur her face out. She stands by that look. That's on her. <laughs> I don't know why I hate Sandra Bullock's character from While You Were Sleeping so much, and yet I love Tess, because they're both insane. But I love that Tess is just this little detective, like, piecing together her clues to catfish George. I think it's because she, like, leaned into how evil she is. I think we're going to have a problem. What's wrong? This hatred for While You Were Sleeping will not stand on my watch. I heard this about you. I didn't know how true it was, but I feel like you brought this up to get a rise out of me. So you know, here we are, Chelsea. We're we're here. You know, you know how I feel about this. I did bring it up to get a rise out of you. Congratulations. See, that's the Kevin in me. I'm in the back of that cab, just leaping through your planner. So Tess isn't the only one in a complicated lie-based relationship because after writing his name on every page of Jane's planner, comparing her to the Unabomber and definitely (laughs) earning a restraining order by stalking her all over town, Kevin finally breaks Jane down and gets her to go on a date with him where she word vomits all about how she's never said no. Not even once. And I'm not going to lie. When Kevin suggested that they practice saying no, I thought this movie might be going to a dark place. Like, you know. 
<laughs> is this alluding to consent? Mm-hmm. Wow. Classic consent okay. joke. Okay. Um. Should I just keep going? <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> Get me out of here. Go to commercial. Y'all got commercials? <laughs> we do now. Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of two hundred dollars or more it's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high quality collectibles or you can gift it to that super geek in your life perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that i've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby yoda and again that i refuse to stop calling it baby yoda plus shopping at sideshow earns you five percent back in sideshow rewards meaning for every one hundred dollars spent you get five dollars back in rewards that can be used on future purchases while geeking out is its own reward your collection goes farther with sideshow so what are you waiting for visit sideshow.com promo code cute one right now and get ready to let your geek side show oh that's clever sideshow like sideshow.com I get it. New Year, New You? Is your New Year's resolution to stop murdering plants? Looking for the perfect gift for a green-thumbed cutie in your life? Or maybe you just want to liven up your living space? It's time to join Mother Magnolia Plant Company's Plant Gang. Plant Gang is a monthly subscription that includes one new plant each month, shipped directly to your door. Each plant comes with personalized care cards and access to plant consults as needed. Head to MotherMagnoliaPlants.com to sign up now. Jane was not wrong when she said Tess was going to be a monster of a bridezilla. Not only does she steal all of Jane's dreams from wearing their dead mom's wedding dress to getting married in the same place that their parents did, she also makes Jane her bitch because apparently the no means no lesson didn't quite sink in. (laughs) Was I a bridezilla, Quinn? I feel in my head I wasn't, but I rewrite history. Well, you weren't a bride, so we can start there. (laughs) Okay, that's your first mistake, honey. Who walked down the aisle? (laughs) Okay, so groomzilla, I can remember a couple of times where I thought you were probably giving it a little too much. Like what? Name three. Three? (laughs) Okay, name one, then. You didn't like the fact that there was only one violinist? I think one violin is enough. (laughs) It did turn out to be beautiful. One violinist was enough. And then you were Grimzilla when you told me I couldn't request 
him to play Let It Go from Frozen, but I did anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what? You just told on yourself. I think we have instance number two. But truth be told, I didn't need any specific examples because having lived through one Donny Appreciation Month <laughs> in my life, I am harrowed. I no, but here's the thing. Exhausted. It's not called Donny and blank appreciation month but Mm -hmm. this i knew i was sharing the spotlight for my Uh, wedding so i didn't push as hard as i would so you asked if you could play frozen and when the answer was no you You did it it anyway (laughs) but you asked Mm because it was both of your days there you go chelsea you got it yeah that's correct (laughs) how long's the song three and a half minutes in your full life how much of a fraction is that you'll be all right you can go one (laughs) day without hearing a song that was literally everywhere not on a violin, it wasn't. <laughs> Bridgerton hadn't been invented yet. We didn't know what it was going to sound like with an orchestra. Oh my god, we were the original Bridgerton. <laughs> well, I did ask the cuties for their craziest bridezilla stories when they were in weddings. Ooh. And, you know, usually the submissions are funny, they make us laugh, they're chaotic. These are chaotic, but they're also evil as shit. So <laughs> to, to buckle up. I'm going to start slow and ease into just like Voldemort. Ooh. As a bride. Mm, So I brought the bride all of her wedding makeup from Sephora and paid for a makeup artist to come do her makeup at the venue. And then in parentheses, that I secured for her a nice country club free of cost to her. She realized that she forgot to bring the makeup. So she locked herself in the bathroom and said I should have reminded her to bring it. I called her fiance. We got the makeup. She looked beautiful. And we never talked about it again. Oh, my God. I would be bringing that shit up. Yeah. Weddings are a very stressful time. Um, I got nothing. She sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> and Chelsea said this is the tamest. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> continue. The bride told the maid of honor to put off having a baby until after the wedding. I'm assuming that it was like, don't start trying to have a baby. But I do love the image of like a nine month pregnant bridesmaid, like giving birth and the bride being like, hold it in, bitch. Squeeze those legs together. It's my day. Oh, my God. I was asked to cut six inches off my hair because she didn't want mine to be longer than hers. I didn't. So as revenge, she made me wear an updo. Long and thick hair means a hundred plus bobby pins sticking into my skull all day. Oh my god! I never knew that like hair length was a pissing contest for women. Well, hmm. I'll just say it: longer hair is prettier. We know. So if you, we know. <laughs> so so if you as the bride have a shorter hair than a bridesmaid, you are going to look like a fuggo. Well, get a weave. There are options. And I agree with you there. The bride is the demon in this story. But I do understand when she looked around and saw longer hair, she felt like the witch in Rapunzel. (laughs) As my grandmother would say, how do you fix your mouth to even say these things? (laughs) Like, I wouldn't be comfortable telling somebody, I'm getting married, so bitch, you gotta cut your hair. It can't be longer than mine. I thought you were talking to me, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) Two more. So this person was asked to be the only bridesmaid moments before the wedding. I wasn't close to the bride or the groom. The only bridesmaid? Well, I want to know why this person was at the wedding. Were they like the bartender? A co-worker? Oh, maybe. I have follow-up questions. Did she say yes? I assume. I mean, honestly, being asked moments before is kind of the way to go, (laughs) because then you don't have to do any of the bullshit. You just get to stand up and get attention. The best part of being a bridesmaid. Yeah, but you thought you were going to be a wedding guest, so God knows what you're dressed like. You could be in a Coles dress. Well, I'm going to go ahead and delete the Coles sponsorship from our inbox. (laughs) 
Good, because they know clearly Canadian's the only one I want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, here's the one. It's not funny. It's just I had to include it. I couldn't not. In August of 2020, peak COVID nightmare, my my 70-year-old two-time breast cancer surviving mother was admitted to the hospital, and we didn't know if it was COVID or something worse. She ended up having Legionnaire's disease and was in the hospital for over a week. The day she collapsed and went to the hospital, I texted to let my friend of 25 years, the bride, know what was going on because it was three weeks before her wedding, and if it went south, I wouldn't be able to make the out-of-town wedding. She told me, prayers to your mom, but I'm tired of your excuses. Uh, She went on to say she didn't feel like I was a big enough part in her big day and kicked me out of the wedding and disinvited me. (gasps) She was always the unhinged one in the group, but her behavior was shocking. Haven't spoken since. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Fucking evil. Oh, my God. That is pure evil. It's crazy that somebody would even think that, like, you can be like, you're not here for me. Screw your actual blood family. You should be yeah. here and give me a gift and do all this bullshit. Wild. I get the pressure of getting married, but Jesus. Yeah, and it's stressful and all of that, but that doesn't give you permission to just be a nah. garbage goblin of a human. But also, you guys know my three-sentence Instagram rule, that if I see a couple do a post on Instagram that's longer than three sentences telling like accolades and how much they love each other and how much they've been through. They are going through it and probably going to break up within six months. Like I will favorite that person so I can keep tabs on them because as soon as I see that fourth sentence, I'm like, oh, shit is going down in their house. I will also say, in my experience, people who make the biggest deal of the wedding and not the marriage that follows the wedding are the people who struggle the most in the first year of marriage because they have made it all about one day that is done in 12 hours instead of like the purpose of getting married, which is the marriage. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. And I also think that a lot of time bridezillas are people that, and I think this is why I wasn't a bridezilla, because I get so much attention throughout my normal life (laughs) that I don't need to demand people do it. But when people know that they'll be the center of attention that one day, they're like, everybody give it to me. I need to be the prettiest. I need to be the most important. <laughs> but I know on a day-to-day, I'm the prettiest and most important. Mm. So so that day was truly just about love and Frozen played on a violin. <laughs> Jesus. It makes no sense. At least in Indian culture, like, those weddings last for days. That's like Plan and Lilith Fair. That I can get being all consumed. Like, I have Indian friends who, like, I'm so stressed about my wedding. I'm like, you should. Yeah. That's like fucking the fire Festival. That's different. Yeah. But just for one day, this going to happen to some venue. Like you said, for 12 hours, get over yourself. Nobody cares right. that much about your wedding. All we want to do is show up, discuss whether or not you have good hors d'oeuvres, eat your food, rate the cake. <laughs> Talk about everybody and go home. Amen. What did you say you're doing to the cake? Rate the cake. R A T E. Donnie. I didn't hear him correctly. Yes. Okay. Hmm. Moving on. That cake has never said no a day in its life. <laughs> Because nothing good can exist in Jane's life, worlds eventually collide as Kevin shows up to interview Tess and George for his column, and Jane feels like her favorite love song was written about a sandwich. Kevin is actually Malcolm, and he's good at spinning crap. He's also good at stalking as he shows up unannounced to her home and immediately clocks the closet of shame, full of the worst dresses I have ever seen in my life. And while Kevin is a con man, 
Jane probably should have caught on to the fact that he has ulterior motives when he started interviewing her and whipped out that little <laughs> digital camera. Like, that one's on her. And, like, a digital camera with a thing in the middle that turns to, like, right. get clearer photo. Not a digital camera you brought to the bar to watch a cover band. Yeah. But I do have trivia for this scene. Oh. Catherine Thomas, the movie's wardrobe designer, found 50 of the ugliest bridesmaids' dresses she could find on eBay and in thrift stores and stuff. But Catherine Heigl was so hot with such a good body that she looked good in all of them. So then they had to add flowers and tool and make them uglier and stuff. Because the dresses as is, they were like, her body still looks good. Hmm. Yeah, I have that problem, too. It's just <laughs> so hot that everything looks good on me. Wow, what a problem to have. I know. I didn't hate the L.A. wedding dress. It was it was a little slutty, but I, I thought it looked nice. For a wedding, it was a little slutty. But out of all the ones she owns, that is the one to wear again. Right. Yeah. That's a New Year's Eve dress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this photo shoot was kind of like an America's Next Top Model challenge. <laughs> like, hideous ruffles, but make it fashion. Like, I imagine that the contestants would be like wearing like the world's worst dress and have to pose next to Tyra who's like wearing a tiara a train and like full glam and then she would like bring up the images and be like two models stand before me and I look better than everyone here (laughs) yes and the cake would be like falling over they have to hold it up as yeah (laughs) one of them had like a runaway broom so uh maybe they're like pulling at the person yeah I love those things and they always zoom in on the face Uh (laughs) it's always like dead fish face and Uh you're like you know there were 300 photos and you chose this yeah, you on chose that one. <laughs> one of like somebody blinking this was your best shot yeah. <laughs> their one eye is half closed that can't be true <laughs> yeah that says more about your cameraman than it does about me i took pictures for two hours this can't be true <laughs> <laughs> so while jan levinson from the office wants to publish the article kevin is starting to get some cold feet about writing a hit piece on a woman who is clearly just one strapless gown away from a 5150 but soon <laughs> In a tale as old as time, hydroplaning leads to Kevin and Jane having a public drunken Benny and the Jets sing-along and some good old-fashioned front seat fucking. Classic. (laughs) Did I tell you ever about when I lost my virginity in a car? No. I was in college, and at this point, I was just ready to lose my virginity. I had, like, one year of college left. I was like, the time has come, and I will as well. So <laughs> I knew him. He worked at Sesame Place. He played Big Bird. Um, but, <laughs> but Okay. You fucked a Sesame Street character? <laughs> he wasn't in costume, but we, like, had never met. Everything was on the phone and online and stuff. And then I was like, I'll be home for spring break. I'm going to see my high school's musical. And then I said, you can come with me if you want. So we went to see my high school's musical. Then we left at intermission and we fucked in his back seat during act two in my high school parking lot. And since this was my first time having sex, my butt was tight. So when he put it in, my leg spasm and kicked and broke his door handle. (laughs) And I was like, well, now you'll never forget me. I hate so much about what you just said. Imagine hearing it multiple times. Uh-huh. I don't even know where to begin. Usually my follow-up questions are just at the tip of the tongue. I Were you over 18? Yeah, I was in college. So you could have been a sex predator. You could have been on a watch list had you gotten caught having sex in a mm. high school parking lot. Just throwing that out there. Second of all... <laughs> Yes. Let him have it. He got what was coming to him because if you agree to go to a high school musical (laughs) 
as an adult. No, he was in college, too. I don't want to go to a high school musical if it's my child in it. I think you just don't know what the gays are into, Chelsea. Okay. Well. My high school had really good production quality. Oh, okay? boy. Don't get him started on this. <laughs> It went downhill after I left. I will say that. Whether that has to do with me or not, couldn't tell you. Wait, was this the same time that they asked you to reprise a role or take the lead or whatever? Two years later. This was two years later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was when I was in 11th, no, not 11th grade. What do you call junior year of college? Junior, junior. year of college. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was when I was a freshman in college. This was when I was a junior. Imagine, though, that you invited him to see your high school's <laughs> musical and he's like looking for you in the crowd and all of a sudden you're like start singing on stage <laughs> oh no big bird oh, i think that's a cute charming story thank you adorable i mean it's no having sex in the bathroom at a party but you know we all have our journey lost mine in a basement the way nature intended yeah uh, that is yeah. <laughs> okay so this is jane we're talking about so she is once again hit over the head by the proverbial frying pan that is life when she is crushed to discover that she has been played and that her picture along with kevin's article entitled Always, always, always a bridesmaid has made the front page. Brutal. Like, that is a brutal headline. Now, was that his fault or was that Jan from The Office's fault? Jan from The Office. I mean, Jan from The Office, but he had plenty of chances to come clean and let her know, like, what he was initially intending to do. That's true. I just meant the title. Oh, Oh. uh, I think that's him. <laughs> that's his fault, too. Yeah. It takes one to know one, and as a Kevin, he wrote it. <laughs> he wrote that. So Tess, of course, manages to make Jane's public humiliation all about herself, but it isn't until Jane learns that Tess has altered their mother's wedding dress that a bitch snaps. <laughs> Yesterday, Tess was her sister. Today, she's just some bitch who broke her heart and cut up her mother's wedding dress. So you know that along with sorting people into Harry Potter houses, I love guessing zodiac signs. So let's talk Jane. The planner, the attention to detail, the self-inflicted stress, all signs point to Virgo. And every part of my soul knew that I was right about this when I witnessed Jane's preferred method of revenge, a PowerPoint presentation. (laughs) That's a Virgo. It was brilliant. Quinn got a phone call right as this scene was about to start, and he came back and told me, like, important things that were happening from the phone call, and I was just giddy the whole time he was speaking, and he was like, what are you smiling about? And I was like, I just want to hit play so that we can watch her ruin her life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So at the rehearsal dinner, Jane absolutely wrecks Tess as she details slide by slide all of the ways she has lied to George about who she is. And the final nail in the coffin is when George learns that Tess has hired his underage little brother from the Y, Pedro, to clean her home. And Catherine Heigl didn't even set that up. That was the cherry on top that just rolled into place. As a resident racial person here, (laughs) I'm going to say that was very problematic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. (laughs) Well, also her speaking really loud to him like he didn't understand English. (sighs) Yeah. Everything about even just his presence in the story. It was only for this reason. Mm -hmm. Well, there were absolutely no black people, so there had to be somebody. (laughs) Yeah, she didn't even go to a black wedding. She didn't know any black people. 27 dresses. None of them. (laughs) She's telling on herself because you know she will be in anyone's wedding that asks. You got Indian. You got Chinese. Hmm. You got L.A.? 
Another LA. classic <laughs> racial subgroup. Underwater? <laughs> she even had the gothic one with spikes in her hair. No black people. <laughs> like a phoenix, Jane rises from the ashes. She cleans out her closet, quits her job, finally says no, and realizes she's not in love with George anymore. And after hopping in a taxi with our resident pervy cabbie, Ziggy, <laughs> Jane hits up one final wedding. She crashes a boat ceremony, hops on a mic, and pledges her undying love to a man who literally lied to her, publicly humiliated her, and has been very, very, very open about how good he is at telling women (laughs) the bullshit they want to hear. But they kiss... Corinne Bailey Ray started playing, and I cheered. I love this movie. I cheered. Now, I will say, we cannot blame this on... Aileen Brash McKenna, our writer, because the original script and she kept pushing throughout production for the movie to end with Jane ending up on her own and realizing it's okay to be single and she can have the life she wants like that. And the studio was like, absolutely the fuck not. We don't know how to market that. We don't know what to do with that. This is not a lesbian movie. I'm going to say something. <laughs> I think the only movie, the first movie I ever saw where it was considered a happy ending without somebody being with a man, might be frozen. So (laughs) that was not going to happen. And I can't speak for women. I can't. (laughs) And he does every week. (laughs) And around the house. (laughs) Um, There was no way this was going to be a happy ending if she didn't end up with one of these men. And that's just sad. Right. Well, that just speaks to Hollywood because where it should have gone is an indication of it being a female writer and a female director. But the fact that the studio was like, Absolutely the fuck not. How could a woman be happy without a mediocre white man by her side? <laughs> Men make your life worse, not better. No offense, Doc. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, there was nothing about the character of Malcolm Kevin mm-hmm. that was in any way really likable for her to end up with him. He's the type of guy, like, I want to look into his fraternity pledge class. <laughs> like, I want to know what he's made other people do. <laughs> You know, there was definitely cookies came on when he was in the fraternity. Is that? A- oh yeah, Nookie Cookie. <laughs> oh. Where all, you stand in a circle. I was not in a fraternity. I just know about it from watching videos. Okay, that's worse. You stand in a circle and come on cookies, and whoever does it last has to eat them all. <laughs> okay. I think my camera froze. No, that was my brain just froze. Nookie Cookie. Okay. I didn't make it up. I'm just here to educate. You know what? I fished my wish. I manifested the wrong thing at the start of this episode. I said, I can't wait to learn what I will learn about. Quinn and I played it at our wedding. <laughs> just kidding. We did it. We did it. As the violinist was playing, let it go. Let You're it a bunch go. of gay men together. What else is going to happen? <laughs> 27 cookies. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Let me bring this ship home. So a year later, our vengeful Virgo gets the last laugh. This shady bitch makes each and every one of the 27 women who tortured her wear their own bridesmaids dresses to her wedding to Kevin. I truly haven't gone from hating a character to loving someone so quickly. And because it's the 2000s and they just love a toxic relationship, George and Tess rekindle their romance too. So I can't wait for the day that Tess learns about the time George kissed his subordinate, her sister, just a few days after they broke up. Like this couple is definitely in it for the long haul. What could go wrong? I will say um, jokes on all those 27 brides because – they did not all have Katherine Heigl bodies. So, uh, didn't look good on everybody. But there was also baby Kristen Ritter. Like, this was, you know. Oh, yeah. Loved her. 
She had the freak wedding, but I mean, well, I just love that this was like purposely, you can tell out of spite because her entire life she has been planning her dream wedding. You know, there are clippings of bridesmaids' dresses, color schemes. She didn't care how this was going to look in a photo, she purely did it out of spite. <laughs> well, her sister stole that wedding, right? So she couldn't have it anymore. Oh, that's true. So then she decided to true. stick it to everybody else instead. And I think that's a great choice. I would have stuck it to the sister as well and made her wear the wedding dress of her failed marriage marriage but sewn the mom's arms back on not the mom's real arms but the mom's <laughs> wedding dress arms like a frankenstein dress oh. be like put this on no me. you know what would be even more evil make the sister just be naked and be like you don't have a dress to wear because you didn't have a wedding that's good and then everyone gets to throw stones at and her and then she has to eat a nookie cookie wow uh, i'd watch that too <laughs> see what's more fun that or a powerpoint <laughs> it's biblical <laughs> I think I heard Jesus did that. I don't know. Nobody gets stoned anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So final thoughts. If we were to bring this movie to present day, who would we cast in a remake? Or what would we want the plot to a sequel to be? Okay, let me go first. I did a sequel. And I did it where all the brides that Jane had in their wedding also made her their baby's godmother. So now she has to play in the christenings and baby showers and all that at the same time. But while all that's happening, she finds out that she and Kevin can't have a baby. Oh, no. Oh, no. I want it to be 27 divorces, where she has to be the person, like, buying the wine, having the late night talks, answering the text messages of all the people going through divorces, and she finally just has a mental break. That's good. What about you, Um, Quinn? I guess I would recast the movie because I think it's perfect as is. Mm. I don't know exactly what age range we're going to be going with here. How old's Kiki Palmer? (laughs) Okay, so we'll we'll do the Kiki Palmer. No, just kidding. No, you can do whatever you want. Okay, so what about Pete Davidson? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Oh my god. Oh God! I mean, I think Pete Davis would be great. Like it would be, it could be twenty-seven dresses with him, but it's just like all of his brides. Oh, all oh, of his girlfriends. That's good. <laughs> so if I'm gonna recast it, I'm gonna go. I'll start with my favorite character, of course, Judy Greer's character, and I'm going to recast Judy Greer as <laughs> Kiki Palmer. <laughs> and we're gonna do Zendaya's Malin Ackerman and. Okay. We're going to do Noah Centineo as the reporter, uh, Kevin Mm -hmm. Malcolm. We're going to do Florence Pugh as Jane because I want to play on the fact Mm -hmm. that Zendaya is half black and I want there to be some drama there. Uh, And as far as – wait, who's left? The boss. The boss. Okay, so we'll make the boss P. Davidson. Done. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. All right. Final, final thoughts. What about this movie aged well and what aged like Blockbuster? I did also have Pedro just in general. The whole character felt pointed and the yelling, the hola, Pedro. It just was a little on the nose in a very 2000s way. Very made in Manhattan. I will say all of this movie's problematic stuff did seem to be racial. And not that that's good that they were only racist, but like in so many others, we get like racism, fat phobia, xenophobia, 
transphobia, like everything. Whereas this writer was just like, no, I'm just racist. That's all. Because we had, we had the Pedro stuff. And then that first, the Indian wedding. I had like, I forgot that little thing from my forehead. Yeah. Making the bindi the punchline is kind of rough. Although Donnie makes a different bindi a punchline (laughs) quite often. Let that woman live her life. Well, she didn't let her father. (laughs) You know what? I also thought it was a little problematic when she was taking a picture as the Chinese bridesmaid and she stood up and she was like way taller than them. <gasps> there are plenty yes. of tall yeah. Asian women. I thought that that was a little bit hmm. like that's the joke. The joke is that they're small. I didn't like that. And the joke was just the Asian wedding because all the ones that were like funny to look at the wedding is the wedding we got to see during that um, montage. So, like, mm-hmm. we saw the L.A. wedding because, haha, they're slutty and she's marrying an old man. We saw the, like, slavery wedding because, like, oh, look at him, it's a plantation wedding. And then we also got in that the Asian wedding. Like, that mm-hmm. was the punchline in itself that she was at this Like, wedding. just its existence. Yeah. He called it the Benihana. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yikes. Well, 2008. What a time. Who knew there were no black people in New York City? Remarkable. (laughs) It's like every MAGA's dream. (laughs) Well, I do want to know where Jane was on the insurrection day, but that's a tale for another time. So thank you, Quinn, for being tortured once again, coming on. I don't know what this show is about. Thank you for asking me, but I don't get this shit. I, don't get I have a show called The Messy Show, and this is somehow even more messy than mine. <laughs> well, tell everybody, obviously, about The Messy Show, but then also tour dates and stuff. Okay, so you can follow me at the Quinn Lamar, and that's across all social media, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all of that. You can find me with that. And as far as I'm going on tour, I'm opening for Kevin James Thornton on tour and internationally. The first tour date is going to be January the 19th, and that's going to be in Huntsville, Alabama. That's where we're kicking that off. And then from there to New Orleans on the 21st, I believe. So, like, it's just we're going to be hitting all the places around you. You can go to KevinJamesThornton.com to get tickets. And if y'all want to come out. We going all over. You can also listen to my show with my friend and comedian Katie Arroyo, which is the messy show, and that's going to cross all streaming platforms as well. Wonderful. And then next week we are going to be covering Spice World for its twenty fifth anniversary. Holy shit, we Jesus. are old, so old. But it's going to be a great episode. Girl power. <laughs> well, that's it. I think. Yeah. I think we covered all our bases. <laughs> Stay safe out there. No nookie cookies. <laughs> Unless you want to. <laughs> well, we'll talk to you later. Love, Love you like a sister. sister. Y'all are so weird. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to I Am the Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at Real Donnywood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at Ono Chels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash I Am The Cute One. And go to I Am The Cute One.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk, Talk to you later. later. Love you like, like a sister. sister. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.